So I thought I was getting a ride back to the street, but I got a ride into the will of God. And my entire life has changed. You can't tell me that love is not stronger than fear because it is. You can't tell me that love is not the most powerful force for changing the world because it is. Hi friends, I'm Amy Julia Becker, and this is Love is Stronger Than Fear, a podcast about pursuing hope and healing in the midst of social division. In this season, we're talking about how we can respond to the brokenness in our own lives and in our society with our heads, hearts, and hands. And wow, does today's guest talk about how love can enter into brokenness and really, really heal us. In a minute, you are going to get to hear from Doris Walker-Taylor, Doris is an ambassador for the organization Thistle Farms, which is a social nonprofit. I'm going to let her tell you a lot about it, but uh, just as a way of intro, Thistle Farms offers a way of healing for women who are survivors of abuse, addiction, prostitution, and human trafficking. I'm so glad that I get to share Doris's story and the beautiful work of Thistle Farms with all of you today. Well, I feel incredibly honored to be sitting here today on Zoom with my new friend, Doris Walker-Taylor. Doris is an ambassador for an organization called Thistle Farms, and I'm going to have her tell you about that in just a minute. But before I do that, I do want to just remind us all, anyone who's listening, that the name of this podcast is Love is Stronger Than Fear. And this particular season of the podcast, what we're talking about is ways that we can engage our whole selves, our heads, our hearts, our hands in the healing work of love in the world. So here on this podcast, we are talking about the power of love and the power of love to heal us. And D- Thistle Farms is really doing that work, the work of Love Heals. And we're going to hear more about that as we uh, progress through this conversation. But that's really why I've invited Doris on the show today, because we're going to get to talk about the power of love to heal us. And so Doris, I do want to say welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much, Amy. Well, you are very welcome. And all right, I'm going to assume that our listeners do not know anything about you or about Thistle Farms, and I want to introduce them both to the organization and to you personally. But let's start with this big picture. Can you just tell me what Thistle Farms is as an organization? I can. I can. I'd be happy to. So Thistle Farms is an absolutely amazing organization. We are a 501c3. We're a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. We are a justice enterprise. And we have a lot of different entities. We have like the cafe at Thistle Farms that's located in Nashville that's ran by Survivor. We have the amazing uh, manufacturing facility where all the uh, products are made by survivors. Products are made with essential oils. They're as kind to your skin as they are to the earth. Mm-hmm. But the heart of the program for me, and I say that because I'm a survivor myself. The heart of the program for me is the residential program. We have a two-year free-to-the-survivor therapeutic setting for women to come in and live for two whole years free, a place where they can rest from all their brokenness, get treatment, and then go on to have a job. So Thistle Farms is the whole thing. It's the whole thing Mm -hmm. for the survivors coming off the street, and I love it. So now we have over 46 sister organizations around the country where Mm -hmm. people have heard of what we're doing, and they decide to open up. So Thistle Farms, for me, is the whole ball of wax, but it's amazing. Well, and it's a whole thing. Yeah, it is. so within that, I definitely want to ask more about Thistle Farms, how it operates, what you're doing. But could you tell us how you came in 
to Thistle Farms, how you got involved and what your life looked like before you were there. Oh, my goodness. I can't. I can't. You know, so uh, there are some women who come into the Thistle Farms community because they grew up in homes where addiction was prevalent. And they thought that was an okay way of life, but that wasn't part of my story. And then there are some women who come into the Thistle Farms community because they were sold into human trafficking at a very early age. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, that wasn't part of my story either. And there are some women who come into our community because they were touched by a family member or a stranger. Mm -hmm. And that molestation uh, started a cycle of trauma in their lives. But I actually had an amazing childhood. So my mother and father were humble believers in God. Mm-hmm. I was the youngest of the family. And my mom and dad taught me all there was to know about the word of God. Mm-hmm. And my dad used to tell me that music is food for the soul. <laughs> and he would carry me to church with him. And he would push me up front. And I would sing when I was a little girl. I had an amazing childhood. Mm-hmm. Yet I landed at Thistle Farms with all the other, we call ourselves sisters for life because our stories are more like than different. So yet I landed right there at Thistle Farms. So my life was perfect. I lived in White House, Tennessee, which is a little town north of Nashville, Tennessee, a little town much like Mayberry. You know, everybody knows everybody. Okay, so I'm talking back 1968 because this happened when I was 12 years old. Okay. So but I still remember that particular day yeah. as, if, as if it just happened. So out of the blue, in the month of May 1968, a very troubled family member came into our family home severely injured my mom and shot my father. (gasps) I had never in my life experienced anything like this. I had never been around violence. And I can remember screaming and I ran over to my dad. And just as I got there, he fell, which resulted in my, uh, my dad died that day. My mom was severely injured. Mm -hmm. And I immediately began to live in denial because I did not know or understand what family unity was all about. So after that happened, my mom became the sole breadwinner. So I started hanging out with what I thought was the cool kids at school. And I would sit in class and I would play that dreaded scene in my head over and over again. But once I started smoking marijuana, it made me feel better for just for me. Marijuana was a gateway drug. So it was not taking care of my problems. It was just masking my problems. But it became a gateway drug for me. And by the time I was an adult, Amy, I had a full-blown cocaine addiction that led me to the streets of Nashville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And that's where I began to live a truly inhumane lifestyle. I can remember walking down the streets of Nashville and I would trade myself just to get out of the blistering hot weather. Mm-hmm. And I would trade myself to get out of the cold weather. I remember that my mom and dad, my, my dad used to tell me the Lord will make a way somehow. And I knew about the power of prayer, but I would be so high and so inebriated. I could not form a prayer, but I would walk down the streets of Nashville and I would recite the 23rd Psalm. Hmm. I had recited that every day of my life. Yeah, it was like so in I your heart. Yes, yes. I walk down the streets of Nashville and I would be like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And at the end of the 23rd Psalm, it says, and I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I knew I wasn't dwelling. So I said, God, if you just please come get me, I promise you I dwell in your house. Hmm. I say that prayer every day. I'm using drugs every day. Hmm. I'm not living in God's will at all. But right after I said that prayer, I went to jail again. Mm. So my 
life was full of going to jail and getting out of jail and going to jail and trading myself as though I was some type of a commodity. And I had lost everything in my life that was good and decent. Mm. So I went to jail again and I had been on the street. I had a friend named Regina and Regina had just disappeared. And I thought Regina was dead because our lives didn't hold any value on the street. So when I got to jail, I'm sitting there with my spirit broken and I got my head down and I've got on this ugly orange jumpsuit because they are the the jails that I went to were designed just to break your spirit even more than it was broken. So I was sitting there and I happened to look up and I saw this girl across the across the way and she was glowing from the inside out and I'm thinking is that Regina so Regina was there but she was not there as an inmate Regina was there at the jail to bring a word of hope to let the women know that we didn't have to keep living the way we were so I saw Regina and she turned around and looked at me she said Doris guess what I got my life back I'm like how did you do that she said I found this program I said no I can't do it. I have gone to so many 30-day programs, but what was 30 days going to do for me? Mm-hmm. But I had been addicted to the vast majority of my life. She said, no, Doris, this program is for us. And I said, she said, it's a long-term program. And I said, you know, Regina, I have gone to halfway houses, but they charge $125 to $140 a week. And at that time in my life, and I'm talking about 2009, at that time in my life, the only way I knew how to make money was to go back out and trade myself because nobody would hire me because of my background. Right. It was a vicious cycle. So she said, Doris, don't worry about it. She said, this program is designed for women just like us. She said, it's a two-year program and it's totally free. And I'm like, free? She said, yeah, what's the catch? Yeah, right, what's the catch? So she gave me the number. So this time when I got out of jail, I did something a little different. Because usually when I get out of jail, I would uh, return to the streets and it would be a vicious cycle. But this time, I went all the way back to White House, Tennessee. Hmm. By this time in my life, I had two beautiful, I have two wonderful children. I got a handsome son and a a beautiful daughter. And my mom was raising them because I couldn't take care of myself. Right. Because I'm busy running from my past. And I come in and I'm tired and I'm dirty and I probably smelled like a bear, but my kids just ran up to me and hugged me and loved on me. They love their mom no matter what. So I go in the room where I grew up as a child and home was not a safe place for me because my bedroom as a child, if I look right out the window, that was a very spy outside where my dad fell to his death. So home was not a good place for me, but I went in and I sat down and I had, I was holding on to that number Regina gave me. So I looked up and I saw my daughter's beautiful picture and I took my daughter's picture off my mom's wall and I scribbled that number on the back and I put it back up there. And I thought now that number's safe. Because everything I touch turns to dirt. So I stayed there a few days. And when I was there, my brother said, Doris, you know what? You are killing our mom. Every time the news come on and they find a woman dead and she does not have any identification, our mom goes into a panic mode because she thinks it's you. Can you just call our mom every now and then and let her know you're doing okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have any feelings. I was numb. I had, That drug had did exactly what I thought I wanted it to do. It had numbed me, but in the process, it had robbed my entire life. 
So I went back to the street because I didn't know how to live. And when I got back to the street, unknowingly, my brother had planted a seed in my spirit. Hmm. Amy, I would be sitting in a crack house <laughs> and something in my spirit would say, call your mom. And I'm like, what? So I would be walking down the street about to open the car door to a stranger's car. And something in my spirit would say, call your mom. Hmm. So I'm like, okay, okay. I'll call. So it just worried me and it worried me and I couldn't do anything that I used to do because it, that, it was a seed planting. Hmm. So it had been about a year. It took me that long, but I thought, okay, I'm calling my mom. So I called and I said, hey, mom, this is Doris. And I just wanted you to know I was doing okay. And I was not doing okay. Right. She said, Doris, I need you to do one thing for me before I leave this world. She said, you know the songs your dad taught you as a child and the songs that I know you can sing? Mm-hmm. We're having this 25th choir anniversary and we want you to come back and be a part of it. <laughs> can you just do that one thing for me before I die? And I'm like, okay, mom. <laughs> Okay, mom. So I go home. When I got home, I slept more safe and more sound than I had slept in a couple of decades. And I woke up the next morning and my mom was out in the kitchen cooking and it smelled good. And my mom had a habit of walking around the house humming hymn praises. And I could hear my mom in the kitchen cooking and she was like, Oh, Lord, I want you to help me. And she was praying to God and she was saying, I got my baby's home and I need you to keep my baby here with me. And she come in the room and feed me. And in the afternoons, I walk up to the church and, and rehearse the songs. And of all songs, the choir said, Doris, we need you to lead this song for us. And the song we want you to sing is You're Looking at a Miracle. And I'm like, really, y'all? <laughs> Really? I don't look like a miracle. I don't feel like a miracle. They said, yeah, Doris, you can do it. You can do it. This song is by Lemmy Battles, Chicago Mass Choir. This woman's been through a lot and you've been through a lot and you can sing this song. And I said, I can't. They said, come on, Doris. So I took the song and all day long, instead of thinking of drugs, I would sit on my mom's bed and I would rehearse this song. And in the evenings, I would walk up to the church and I would rehearse the song. And then one day I was sitting there and I thought, let me call Regina. So I got my daughter's picture off the wall and I said, hey, Regina, this is Doris. Remember that program you told me about? Can I come? She said, Doris, we have over 150 women on the waiting list. But because you're my friend, I'm going to talk to the director and I promise you, we're going to get you in. And Amy, that Amy Julie, that gave me just a little bit of hope. And that was the first time I had any hope in my life mm-hmm. in a couple of decades. And I thought, I might just get to go to that program and I might get to be normal. That's before I realized that <laughs> normal is no more than a cycle on the washing machine. But I, thought, <laughs> I thought I might get to be normal. So I would go to church in the afternoons and rehearse and come home. And then I had that choir anniversary. I sang and I praised and I did things good and decent that I hadn't done in a couple of decades. But every night when I come home and go to bed, I'm having using dreams. And for those of you who might not know what that is, if you are addicted to fast money or addicted to anything in your life that's not good all night long, even if you're not doing it, your spirit, you keep thinking that you're doing it. So I'm wake up in a hot sweat and I'm thinking I'm on the street. So I woke up that morning. I thought, okay, I did what my mom asked me to do. And I'm just going back because, because I just can't take it no more. Every night I'm having using dreams and I don't know how to live. So 
I usually, when I come home, I can call someone and I say, hey, I'm up here in White House. Can you come get me? And they rush up there and get me because they knew I had rested. They knew I had money and they would come and get me. So this particular morning, the first person I called didn't have any gas. The second person I called had a flat tire. I'm like, what's going on? So I got desperate. I started calling people and leaving messages. This is Doris. When you get this message, give me a call. I was desperate. I had been without drugs for two whole weeks and I was losing my mind, I thought. So my mom was in the kitchen that particular morning and she was praying harder than I've ever heard anybody pray in their lives. And she's like, God, don't let my baby go back. She came home. I got her home. And God, I need you to keep her here. And she was singing to the top of her lungs. She's like, oh, Lord, I want you to help me. And she was praying to God. And you could almost feel the vibrations on the windows because she was praying so severely. And I'm in the room trying to get somebody to come take me back to the street. So my mom come in, the house, come in the room and I was packing my clothes and putting them in the bag. And my mom said, Doris, where are you going? And I looked around. And I said, Mom, I'm going back. I did what you asked me to do. And my mom had tears running down her face. And if I had been in my right mind, that would have stopped, stopped me. But nothing could stop me when I wanted drugs. So she said, where are you going? And I said, Mom, I'm going back. She said, what are you doing? And she would not take no for an answer. So I'm thinking, I wish somebody would call me. So the phone rang and I thought, yes, somebody's coming to get me. So I picked the phone up and I said, hey, you ready to come get me? It was Regina. <laughs> it was Regina. So I thought I was getting a ride back to the street, but I got a ride into the will of God. <laughs> and Regina came and got me and carried me into the Thistle Farmers program. And my entire life has changed. You can't tell me that love is not stronger than fear because it is. You can't tell me that love is not the most powerful force for change in the world because it is. So I came into this amazing program and I didn't know how to live. And when I got there, I saw women sitting around the room, beautiful, glowing, women that I used to see on the street that I didn't see anymore. Mm -hmm. I walked up to one of the girls and I said, how is it here? She said, Doris, some days are better than others, but no matter what you do, just stick and stay. Sitting here today, I have 11 years clean. You can't tell me that God don't love me. <laughs> And that your mom doesn't love you. I mean, that's the other thing. Just yes, in your yes, story, yes. she prayed me through. I mean, just like she prayed you into that yes, place. Absolutely, and, absolutely. Oh, that is absolutely so, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing yes. all of that. Yes. Um, yes. she did. <laughs> she prayed me through, and I came in the program November the ninth, two thousand and nine, mm. and my mom passed in March of the next year. And I had always said, whenever my mom leaves this world, things that I hadn't done, like I never had robbed anybody, or I had never uh, just done things that was really foul against God's word because I knew better to. So I, I, when my mom died, I had planned in my mind to just do whatever it took. Huh. But by the time my mom died, I was safely in the arms of God and I was safely at Thistle Farms. Wow. And my sisters held on to me so tight, I didn't go nowhere. 
And I didn't do nothing but keep trusting in God. And I've got my life back. I was trapped in a 10 block radius for well over 20 years. And now because of Becca Stevens, the founder of Thistle Farms, mm -hmm. I have traveled to every state in the United States and I've been <laughs> out of the country. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the winning team. God is amazing. So for those of you who do not know what Thistle Farms is, it's a program that's designed for us. Becca Stevens is an Episcopal priest, but Thistle Farms is not a religious organization. It's just that I know who I am and I know whose I am. Mm -hmm. But Thistle Farms is open for everyone to come in. They love us back to life. They didn't laugh at me. They didn't lock me up. They taught me how to live life on life's terms. When I got there, I had 11 and a half teeth. They, and it was not a good look. <laughs> but they sent me to get my teeth fixed. They sent me to therapy. I went to SAC, which is a sexual assault center. They did everything they needed to do to put me back together again. And it was all by the grace of God. So I called Thistle Farms the vessel that God sent to come get me. So I got my life back. And now we have 46 sister organizations around the country. Becca Stevens is amazing. We now have a man working at Thistle Farms. Hal Cato is our CEO. So we've learned how to have healthy relationships with men now. Mm. And now that uh, when I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm at my house back in White House, Tennessee. Three doors down the road, my mom's is where all my trauma started. And God has brought me full circle. Last year, I got married to my brother's childhood friend. And I'm right back in White House. And I'm married to a wonderful man of God. And I'm married to a man who knows all about my stuff. And he don't love, he don't judge me. He loves me in spite of. He loves me because I was strong enough to listen to God and get over it. So I'm happy. I got my life back. I'm happy about it. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Yes. And amen. I, so yes. I, there, I have so many thoughts. I've, I'm curious to hear about what in the program for those two years, what were the different elements of healing for you? Like what, what, did, what enabled that healing to happen? How did it happen? You know, I, I had been so accustomed to being locked up and ridiculed and put in a cell with six other women. But, but women, but when I came into Thistle Farms, it was a beautiful building. And the and the main we have five houses, but the main large house is shaped in the shape of a butterfly that symbolizes freedom. And we are walked in, and I have these high to the ceiling. You know, Becca Stevens believes in building these houses just like you would build a church organ. Build it. With, with intention, build it, don't give, you know, she says, I wish I had the, I could take the worst the world has to offer, give them to me and let me see what I what me and God can do. And actually what God can do as she's God's hands and feet. That's what we're called to be. But the thing that worked for me at Thilsa Farms that didn't work before, they didn't charge me anything. Mm -hmm. And, and see, I wasn't, I wasn't able, I, my mind wasn't able to, I couldn't get a job because of my background. Thistle Farms gave me a job. Mm. I couldn't go to work because I had to sell myself to pay my rent. Thistle Farms let me live there for two whole years free. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. sent me to therapy. They did everything I needed to be yeah. able to be whole again. And then they sent me to court and I got my records expunged and I became a, a, a law-abiding citizen. So mm. Thistle Farms helps us in every way. I went to sex. You know, the thing about it is every woman plan is her own. What I needed to get clean might not be what the next woman needed. I had to go to uh, to to uh, 
therapy for for trauma and right. i had to get the therapy because i had so much ptsd mm-hmm. but not the next woman being out of heck what i had so every woman plan is her own and they give us two whole years to heal from all of our trauma so i started off at the safaris making lip balms i would mix lanolin oil and almond oil and beeswax and, adult, and now we have machines that do it but in those days I would mix it up in 2010 and oh, try to right. pour it into this little tube and I thought oh my god I'm gonna die but I <laughs> stuck with it <laughs> because I remember we prospered by the work of our hands and then my next job at Thistle Farms was to pack the products in the bins and send them out for the women to tell their stories well uh I would prank, I was three years clean and I would pack the products, but then I would leave one thing out. And I'm like, Phew. so I got my joy in my life. I remember my dad told me the music is food for your soul. So I wrote this little song that says I'm a thistle farmer and it names every product we have. So instead of feeling like I'm at work, I'm singing and there's a candle there and I'm picking up stuff and I'm, I'm a thistle farmer and thistle farms is where I work. And I'm picking all the products up and put them in there. So I got my joy back in my life. And then I became the director of events and traveled worldwide with Becca Stevens. And now I'm just, and I'm sorry. <laughs> and now I'm the senior ambassador at Thistle Farms. God has blessed me abundantly. So I got my life back and I'm so grateful for it. Yes. Well, it sounds like it. I want to go back to talking about the products that Thistle Farms actually makes. I have, <laughs> we use these Thistle Farms products in our home because they are truly beautiful, as you said. But I just want to let listeners know, I mean, will you just talk a little bit about what the products are, but also why I assume there's intention, like it was intentional to have women who are coming out off the street, coming out of these abusive uh, and commodifying situations actually employed in making things for the body, right? So you can, right. can you tell us about the products, but also why it matters to make these items. So Thistle Farms um, makes candles and we don't play in wax because we like to. We love the candle because there's a little car in every box candles that you get that says we like the candle for the woman still out there sick and suffering we mm. like the candle for the babies that are born into an addiction without a choice in the matter so when we make these products we make them with intention we make them with essential oil that you know like we used to make thistle paper and we would take thistles and and uh t-shirts and and we would mix them and put them in this big critter and working in all these wonderful essential oils is healing so we're getting, we're healing again. So it is amazing that we get our lives back. We have this, uh, so we have global, uh, we have a global department now where we not only help women in Nashville, Tennessee, and all the states in the United States, we help women around the country. We have this a wonderful team called Moringa Tea from San Juan Consuelos, Mexico. It has vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D, potassium, stabilizes the blood sugar, increases the memory. But the thing that sold me on this tea, it has an ingredient in it, an ingredient in it that slows down the development of wrinkles. Hmm. So here I am at 65. I'm thinking, start drinking, Doris. I should have started drinking a lot <laughs> But I love that tea. And then we have these little monkeys that come from Peru. It's a sock sock project. These monkeys are handmade by women who come out of human trafficking. And this is how they now, um, this is how they now 
support their children so their children don't have to go into human mm-hmm. trafficking. Yep. We have global, we have bracelets, we have essential oils, we have lotions, body butters, and body bombs. Like body bomb is an oil-based emollient designed for your elbows, your feet, your heels, your cuticles, and really rough dry spots. I'm pretty rough and dry, so I use it all over. I just lavish it. It's really good. <laughs> All of our products are made with essential oils. Our products are natural and our products nourish your skin. So that's what we're about is loving and nourishment. So the women that make it, they get a skill. They know how to measure. They know how to convert, convert stuff. And they know how to make these products. They get their lives back. They get a job skill. And then they learn that people love them. I never believe it. I always thought it was me against the world. This organization loved me back to life. Mm-hmm. So the products, please go online at thistlefarms.org and shop because we only keep our doors open through the sales of our products, private donations, and grants. So if you shop online, you're lighting the way for another woman to come in. Well, and I will mm-hmm. say, I, for the last couple of years, for both birthdays and Christmas gifts for friends, for family. I mean, and it's just interesting because people, it's not, it can seem like, oh, I'm doing a good deed because I'm buying these products for these women. But it's like, no, no, they're actually really wonderful products. (laughs) You're also getting something great. Keep giving, give them to (laughs) you. That's right. And then on the back of every product, the message is right there mm-hmm. on the back of every product. It will say heal, employ, empower. And it will say this lotion, soap, or candle, whatever it is. This product is made by the women of Thistle Farms, a nonprofit social enterprise dedicated to empowering survivors of human trafficking, prostitution, addiction, and abuse. So on the back of every product, it has the message. So when you buy that and give it to a family member, a friend, or a co-worker, they read that message. And it gives them a hope it urges them to become friends of Thistle Farms. We welcome you all into the circle because it's a huge circle of love and it's not competition. We ask people to please open up houses for men and women. Open up the house and it will. the people will come and they will heal and they will get their lives back. And that's the goal. Yes. So I'm wondering as we think about barriers to healing, Like, what are the things, um, and this could be for you personally or that you've seen now that you've actually been around all of these people for so many years, both who didn't have healing and also those who have, I'm thinking both of like the barriers inside ourselves and also just the like practical barriers. I mean, you've named one in terms of money, like that is, was a barrier to healing for you. But what are, what are some of those barriers that you can see inside or outside? You know, uh, there's a stigma attached to if you've all once an addict, always an addict. Mm-hmm. And that's just not so. That's a large stigma. It's a myth. Mm-hmm. It's just not so. And there's a thing that thinks if a woman is out there, which she must want to be, no woman, no little girl grows, says, when I grow up, I want to be a prostitute. No little girls think when I grow up, I want to be abused or trafficked. So if people could just shine the light on the truth that if a woman is out there saying herself, what in the world was her options? What's going on with her? So the next time anybody sees a woman standing on the, a street corner, hopefully you will have the heart to help them or just let them know, hey, there's a place waiting for you. So, you know, so that, that that's the thing about it. And, you know, when I went to White House High School, I graduated in 1974. That shows my age. I was, <laughs> a, I was the only black girl in the school. And, but I did, 
I didn't feel I didn't feel it then. If I was going to feel that thing, that social barrier and that social division, I thought I would have felt it then. I didn't feel it then as much as I feel it now because this whole world is in an uproar. And the only way we're going to be able to live in peace and unity is for love to come into the picture. Mm -hmm. And I always known that love is God. That's just my thing. But mm -hmm. until people can actually realize that, you know, there's an old cliche that says you can draw more flies with honey than salt. So the only way we're going to be able to lick our wounds, so to speak, and come together is with love, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because yeah. God made us all. So yeah. how do you see that connection? Because I think there is, and this is something that we talk about a lot on this show, a connection between personal healing and then being able to bring healing love into the world, right? Yes. It wasn't, I mean, it's not until we actually believe God loves us and that we have that personal understanding that we are strengthened and empowered to actually be a part of a bigger healing work. I mean, has that been the case for you? That has been the case for me because before I got to Thistle Farms, I didn't believe that anybody loved me. Mm -hmm. And I thought that every time I got anything from anybody, I had to give a piece of myself to get it. And then I found out when I got to this part, they gave us a stipend. When you first come in the program, when I came in like 11 years ago, it was like $35 a week, but they give us a stipend and it's free. They don't want any, I kept thinking the ball's going to drop. These people want something from me yeah. and they did want something from me. They wanted me to be able to love myself. Mm -hmm. So it was like, once I found out that the world is not, it's, you know, I could have, I could have responded to my father's death in a lot of different ways, but the way I responded to it was not the right way mm -hmm. because I thought I could cover up the pain with a chemical and it manifested itself into a, just a horrible life. But God has brought me out out of it and I have done more living in these past 11 years than I did in the first 50 or so I, my math is not good but however many it is yeah but yeah a long time so the first five day five the first four or five decades of my life was in ruins but mm. God has forgiven me of all my sins which are many and now he has blessed me to be able to go back out there and tell women that there is a way out we do get our lives back yeah well, and so two thoughts. One, I love that your story, I mean, I'm sorry you had to go through so many years of such pain, but mm -hmm. I also think it's incredibly hopeful to say when I was 50 whatever years old, mm -hmm. God was still pursuing me. My mother was still praying for me. I mean, how many decades had she been praying? Yes. I mean, just in terms of that's what true. it means to persevere in prayer and healing was still available and purpose yeah. was still available and marriage was still out there. And I mean, uh -huh. I mean, there's just so much that's really beautiful because I think people get to a point in life where it's like, oh, it's too late for me. You right. know, that yes. might right be available. Right now I go to school at night I'm taking classes. So mm -hmm. at 65, I'm going to live, as long as the Lord got me here on this earth, I'm going to live my life until I die. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't make up for the past, but I can certainly live in his will. And do the things and be his arms and legs and feet and mouthpiece as long as he wants me to. Because, yeah, you know, because he loved me just that much. You know, a lot of times I'll say, uh, God chased me until I found him. You know, he mm. was there all the time. <laughs> I he like that a lot. And, yeah, he chased me until I finally turned around and thought, oh, God, you've been the, you've been the one that, that protected me in all those cars and all those ditches and all those jails and all that place. And when I lived to see... I lived through all of it and it was not by chance. It was by the grace of God. And I know that now. Yeah. 
Well, and you can extend that same compassion to others. I I also, when you were talking about just being forgiven, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is some of the passages in scripture where um, it says that God will wash us white as snow and cleanse us from our sins, that idea of cleansing. And I'm just thinking about the Love Heals products and yes. the like the tender care that goes into washing someone who is dirty or wounded. And yes. I just think about, we can think about, I think, forgiveness as this transaction where it's like, God has to forgive me, as opposed to this like act of tender care that's that actually is a part of God's healing to forgive us and restore us to the life that he created us for. And you're a beautiful just story and example of what it means to take all of the past and let it be given to God for healing and redemption and brought into this moment, you know, as a as a witness to what it means, yeah, as you said, to love yourself and to receive that love that God has for you and for other people. That's true. Thank you so much. You know, when you were talking about the tender lovingness of the products, I remember when I, I had been in the program, I had been at this far as maybe two or three years and one uh, Lent season, we sat in a big circle and Becca took, so at that time it was, you know, we were struggling to make sure we had enough uh, um products to make enough of the dry goods to make the products. We were had to make sure we didn't spend too much. And Becca took a huge oil of a huge bottle of oil that was probably like a hundred dollars. And that was like a million dollars to us at that time. And and she went around the circle and, and the ones who wanted it, she poured the oil on our feet and we did a feet washing for each other. Mm-hmm. Because it's it, it gives it gives me the opportunity to realize that I'm not here now because I can talk. I'm here because I can serve others. So, you know, and I thought I'm worthy. I'm worthy of that oil. And it reminded me so much of the, in the Bible when the lady had the oil and she was able to give her last, her very last, you know. And it's, it's just amazing that how uh, the more I receive in life now, the more humble I become. Mm-hmm. That's the way God wanted it in the very beginning, you know, because I knew about it. And you can know the Bible all day long. I knew the word about God, but I didn't live it. So until I'm able to actually uh, not be a hearer of, but a doer of. So now I can be a doer of his word, not just a hearer. Because I heard it as a child and I knew it, but I didn't live it until I was you know, I was in my right mind. Because for years I was not in my right mind. Well, so... Are you now like actively at Thistle Farms day day by day? I mean, I I guess- so you know because uh, because of COVID, right? <laughs> we try to, because of COVID, we try to make it safe. So I usually my my usual schedule is to be in the office on Tuesdays and Thursdays and work from home on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Okay. Uh, right right now, and then sometimes I'm at work maybe three three days a week, sometimes four because I need to come in to video or something. So I come in, but yeah, so I am actively working at Thistle Farms and I love it. I never thought I'd love working, but I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, so as we come to a close, I'm curious about the person who's listening into this conversation um, and who is not convinced that love is big enough or strong enough to heal them. Uh, what do you say to that person? I would say I was the worst. I was the I was the scum of the earth. I was in I, my life was full of muck and moral, and I didn't care about my life. I didn't care about anything but the next hit. So if God, if love could find me and turn me around, because, you know, so there's a, I've heard this gospel song that says, um, 
God took me into his chemical laboratory, washed me in his blood, and I came out totally different. So if you are listening to me and you don't have a job or you are addicted or you're facing divorce or any of the things, the many hundreds of things, the examples in our life, I tell you, love can change all that. And I'm not talking about being wrapped up in a love with a man or a woman and being totally, I'm talking about the pure love to know that God will come to, and people. See, it don't have to be God. You don't have to be a believer in God. I'm not trying to convince anybody to be a believer in God. Just know that there are people out there who are the hands and the arms of God that will help you, but you have to ask. And, and just know that I can't, if I can make it, I believe anyone can because I lived 26 long, miserable years in addiction, thinking I was going to die every minute. And I'm so grateful that I didn't because now that I am live, I, I am truly alive. So if there's anyone listening and you don't believe it, I, I'm not trying to sell a book, but I don't even have a book. But it, 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 I don't even have a book. <laughs> but I'm working on it. But if Good. you could just, yeah, I'm working on it. But if you could just read and be around my life, come to Thistle Farms and just walk in and ask for a tour of Thistle Farms. Come by the cafe, meet some of the other women, and you'll see it's as clear as night and day the difference that love has made in our lives. Mm. And, I'm not, and he does not do it for no respect of person. If he did it for me, he would definitely do it for you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that word. And I will say I was um, just poking around on the Thistle Farms websites and th there's some videos of other women. Um, yes. And exactly what you said in terms of just that glowing spirit of women yes. who are able to testify to exactly what you said I, saying essentially, I was not a candidate for this, and look at me now, right? Like yeah, I was not yeah, qualified. Right, right. I was not like I did not count, and somehow here I am. And you can just see in the countenance of all of these women the great work that love has done in their lives th from God, but also clearly from one another. Um, and as you said, there's the beauty of the place, there's the beauty of the projects, there's the dignity of work. I mean, they're all there's the aspect of just therapeutic healing, all these different things that contribute uh, to being able to say love really does heal us. So it thank you. It absolutely does. It does. You know, I've heard it said that God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. And that's the cold. And that's exactly what he did. He called me out of the darkness into the marvelous light. And he's qualified me to have enough sense to tell my story. Because at one point, I couldn't even blah, 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 blah. Well, nothing coming out. So yeah, he did it for me. He did it. Well, we are grateful that we get to be uh, recipients of that story. Thank you for being here with us today, Doris. Thank you so much. It was nice to be with you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And please go online and check those forms out. Listen to our videos. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Love is Stronger Than Fear. What an honor it is for me to get to share these stories and remember the love that is available to me, to us, week after week. I would love for you to share this episode to anyone who you think would be moved by it, might be blessed by it, might find healing in it. I also uh, do invite you to subscribe to this podcast, give it a quick rating or review. 
And I wanted to uh, remind you that I have a new paperback version of Head, Heart, Hands, and the White Picket Fences discussion guides available on my website, as well as a new paperback version of my book, Missing Out on Beautiful, which is a collection of essays about having a child and raising a child with Down syndrome, as well as some reflections from Penny, my child with Down syndrome, about being who she is. I also now have a YouTube channel. You can search for Amy Julia Becker YouTube channel if you'd like to listen to or share this episode um, through that medium. As always, I'm also thankful to Jake Hansen, the podcast editor here, Amber Beery, my social media coordinator, and to all of you for being faithful listeners. Thank you for showing up. And as always, as you go into your day today, I hope you will carry with you the peace that comes from believing that love is stronger than fear.